Carolina, and this recording is from one of our church services. For more information, visit our website at churchofphiladelphia.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the message. Flip over to the book of Philippians, chapter number two, landing on verse number one. Amen. Landing on verse number one. And here begins the reading of God's holy word. It says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this this mind being you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also have highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You can be seated in the presence of our living God. And I am going to try to focus on verses 12 and 13. And our thought for today that we'll be looking at is simply entitled, How Will You Respond? How Will You Respond? How Will You Respond? Amen. And as we find ourselves, we're still in our current sermon series where we have been about leading in love. Amen. We've been talking about leading in love and we just came off of last month where we begin to talk about leading in love as women lead in ministry. And so for this particular month, as we follow suit with this current sermon series, we're going to be talking about leading in love, but also family values. We will be talking about family values. Amen. Those important to families, those beliefs that are housed inside of families that causes families, you know, how uh, uh, to respond to certain things and, and their belief about certain things, right? And so we'll be talking about leading in love and in, 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 in accordance with family values, amen? And so this is some things that I begin to just jot down about family values, right? Family values, right? They're things, right? Uh, that are beliefs, certain beliefs that are passed down from generation to generation, right? Uh, and they're, they're, they're these beliefs, right, they help us define what we think is important and what we think is good, you know, throughout society, inside of life, right? These are the family values, these things that have been passed down from granddads and grandmothers and big mom and all these different things that have been passed down to us. It helps shape our conscience. It helps shape our perspectives about how we view society, how we view, you know, uh, uh, people in society, as well as how we view and how we conduct ourselves, right? So um, Values. There are different things that we find in family values, right? There are things like moral values. There are our personal conduct and our social behavior towards other people. There's 
our spiritual beliefs and things of that nature. And then there's something called work ethic, right? So if we spin back around and come back to the moral values, right? It's 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 basically these beliefs and principles that we've been taught that help us know and understand uh, uh, right, but the difference between right and wrong, right? So it's concepts in there like kindness, integrity, honesty, generosity, right? And then there's something like being responsible. So when you talk about those moral values, uh, it help us to understand, to know uh, the difference between right and wrong. They help shape us in that aspect, in those regards. And within those moral values, those concepts like we said, kindness, integrity, honesty, and being generous toward people. But then there's something called being responsible, being responsible, right? And then when, when, when you press past and you begin to look at personal conduct and social behaviors, right? It's how an individual behaves themselves as well as how they treat others in relation to them. So how we how we handle ourselves and the relationships that we are a part of throughout society, as well as how we conduct ourselves inside of society, right? And so you find inside of this personal conduct or the social behaviors, concepts like showing respect for elders or showing respect for women or confronting bullying, right? And, and so you also find being responsible. Okay. Uh, I hope you're uh, picking up on this thread that I'm dropping and I'm weaving through this thing, right? Then we talk about our spiritual and our religious beliefs or values, right? Uh, these are the beliefs, things that we believe in, something that is either someone or something that is greater than ourselves. So when it comes to our spiritual or religious beliefs, it is in fact that either there is someone or something that is much, much greater than ourselves. So when you find concepts, you find concepts like worship or prayer or fellowship or being compassionate toward other people. When you look inside the spiritual or religious values or beliefs, then uh, for, for anybody that's. Mm, I'll say form for, you know, especially as Jamaicans, Jamaica people. And, you know, yeah, you know, Jamaica people. Say, Listen, we talk about work ethic. Right. This is the value. This is the principle of many families having a strong work ethic. It tends to shape children, even when it comes to getting chores done or how they view and perceive assignments in school, uh, how, how they're going to move in those regards, how they're going to uh, think about these assignments, how they're going to move to accomplish these assignments. So having a good, strong work ethic. Right. Uh, you can also look at this as many families look at this as achieving success. And, and it doesn't always have to mean achieving success in a means of a financial sense. But uh, think about uh, having a strong work ethic and just uh, something like volunteering, per se. You know, uh, when I volunteer, I, I, I give up my time. Um, not just my time or if I give up my resources and things of that nature right there for a greater good. I'm doing something beyond myself. I'm doing a greater good beyond myself uh, to help other people, help others who may be less fortunate than myself. Um, this is a greater good, not so that I can feel better, but I want to help the world around me be a better place by the things that God has allowed to be within my grasp. I want to utilize everything that is available to me to help my community, my uh, environment, my world become a better world around me.
so having this strong work ethic, there are concepts like, you know, of course, hard work or work that helps other people. Um, and again, this common thread of being responsible being responsible so uh it, it, which i understand you guys are very very intelligent people so i'm pretty sure you caught the gist of what i'm talking about the family value that we are going to try to tackle today would be simply called responsibility right so even as we look at how will you respond when you talk about responsibility responsibility Simply put, is your response to something. It is your response to something. You being responsible is your response to something, right? And so here is our definition for the word responsibility, right? It is defined simply as the opportunity or ability to act independently and make decisions without authorization. Number two, a form of trustworthiness. Or number three, the trait of being answerable to someone for something or being responsible for one's conduct. Amen. So before I get ahead of myself, we're trying to lay a little bit of foundation. We're going to be talking about the family value of that of responsibility. So now this is the thing. We find ourselves here in the book of Philippians, right? It's Paul, the apostle Paul, who's writing to the believers of the Christians in Philippi, a Roman colony uh, 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 where there are not too many believers or Jews per se, but it is made up of Roman believers who are now uh, converted over to Christianity. And Paul is writing to them to encourage them because while Paul was on lockdown, it is it is the church at Philippi or the believers from Philippi who sent who sent financial means to help support Paul while he was on lockdown. And Paul is writing to thank them of their giving unto him to help support while he was on lockdown. And even while he was on lockdown, Paul still saw fit that I must write to get the gospel out. I'm not going to allow my imprisonment or my house arrest to stop. There is something greater than myself. There is something greater than my situation, something greater than my own personal circumstance that must still be accomplished. And that is to get the gospel out. And so as he's encouraging them, he's encouraging them for their, their financial gifts to support him while he was on lockdown. But he also takes a moment to actually talk about his persecution. Now, understand Paul is actually on house arrest or locked up for the fact of him preaching and declaring the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Many, many people have an issue when you begin to talk about the name of Jesus. You see it all throughout society now. When you talk about Jesus, folk immediately get offended, right? Because to talk about Jesus, it know what to do. It helps us understand what we're supposed to do, right? And so understand, men and women in this day and age, they're moving back to the days of Noah, where, where they're doing things that are right in their own eyes. It's, 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 it's men and women who are moving according to their own darkness, right? But when we talk about Jesus Christ, he's the light of the whole entire world. He sheds light on your darkness. He lets you understand what he is, right? It is this versus this right here. It is right versus wrong. It is, it is, it is truth versus a lie. It is holiness versus unholiness. It is righteousness versus unrighteousness. So he gives us a clear understanding. And so anytime we introduce Christ into most conversations with people, people automatically become offended. Why? Because to introduce Christ into the conversation, it, it's offensive to people because he begins to confront their sinful nature. Oh, yes. Uh, 
You got to understand about truth. Truth being Jesus Christ, the person, the individual, right? Truth comes when God sent his truth, that being his son. He sent his son to do what? Convict us. Oh, yes. He, he sent Jesus to convict us. He sent Jesus to challenge us. But he also sent Jesus to confront us that it will all bring about change in us, right? So even when the truth comes, the truth doesn't just convict you. It challenges you to be a better man of God, to be a better woman of God, to be a better husband, to be be a better wife, to be a better father, better mother, son, daughter, brother, sister, a better leader, right? But it also confronts you where you're falling short. It confronts you when you mess up. It confronts you when you're acting arrogant and full of pride. It confronts you when you're not humbling yourself. It confronts you when you think what you're supposed to be doing is what you're supposed to be doing, but that is totally contrary to what God has called you to do. It comes to confront you, to get you back into reality who you're supposed to be and what God has called you to do. All for the working of a change on the inside of you. Change should be demonstrated from your inner man to your outward appearance. You should see change. We should experience the change that has come by the word of God, by the nature of God being on display in us. Amen. So, so think about why people will get offended when we introduce Christ into conversations because they can't hide when we start talking about Christ. Oh yeah. Christ makes all of us become uncomfortable, especially when you know there is something that, that you should be doing, ought to be doing, and you're not doing it. Christ makes us uncomfortable. Why? It's the truth of who he is that's confronting what you know to do that you're simply just not doing. So understand, he's he's writing to them to encourage them for them giving, while at the same time still pushing the gospel out. And he was locked up for him declaring the gospel. People had a problem when he preached or spoke about that name. And he tells us in this book, it is the name that has been given to Christ that is above every other name. It is at this name that every knee has to bow. Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord. Yeah, it's that name, that wonderful name that, that we have found salvation that wonderful name that we have experienced deliverance through and by and still experiencing deliverance most of us most days i'm gonna go ahead and raise my hand do you know somebody can you believe i thank god for the wonderful name of jesus christ oh i bless his wonderful name it's at that name that i've experienced change it's at that name that i've experienced the power it's at that name and through that name i've experienced healing in my body it's through that name that i've experienced the grace of god the mercy the mercy of god the love and the compassion of god the forgiveness of god it's come by way of that name, that name, that name, that name. Understand. So Paul is thanking them as he begins to, to, to offer up thanksgiving. And he begins to pray for them. And see, I, 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 I can appreciate the fact that there was a leader who spends in your life who don't mind praying for the people uh we we're not just out here praying for for new houses and new cars and we're not just praying for make you a millionaire when you really don't even know how to handle money on the level that you own so we're not praying for god to make you or bless you to become a millionaire and squander all that money no we're not doing no but we're praying for your soul we're praying for the salvation of your soul we're praying for the transformation of your mind we're praying for the transformation of your heart we are praying that you were transformed as a man of God, as a woman of God, we are praying that you become a better individual within your community, within your family, within the kingdom of God, within your social construct. We are praying that the 
nature and the character of God is on display in your life. See, you are, this is why you ought to pray for your leaders, because your leaders are spending time praying for you. So I'm encouraged that I know that my leader prays for me. It's not always that I got a call and say, man of God or woman of God, can you pray for this right here? But on their own accord, you know, uh, they, they, they take time to go and labor for God and call my name out in prayer. Not just me, but my family and the things that concern me, those cares that bother me. They take them before God and they're calling our name out in prayer. I bless God that there was a leader who said, thank you for the people people that you've given me to watch over and, and, and I'm going to show you my gratitude because I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for them, right? And so as he moves throughout this particular chapters, he begins to talk to them, encourages them, and he begins to talk about his own situation. You understand why I'm locked up. I'm being persecuted for the sake that I declared this name right here. That's why I'm locked up. They hate the fact that this name is causing lives to be changed. This name is turning upside down cities and turning upside down communities. They hate the fact that change is coming on so quickly because I declared this name right here. But I won't let it stop me. Even though I'm on lockdown, even though I'm in chains, I won't let it stop me from declaring what thus saith the Lord. I won't let it stop me from declaring the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? He then he 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 encourages them, you know, uh, remain humble, even while you are being persecuted and experiencing things that, that are not your necessary choice. But you remain humble while people are taking advantage of you, while people are mishandling you, while people are using you, while people are abusing you. You still remain humble and remain focused on the task at hand, who God has called you to be and what God has called you to do. Don't you lose your focus don't you in other words don't you can't afford to be distracted by the way people are acting towards you because you simply stand flat-footed saying i will be who god called me to be and i will do what god has called me to do you ain't got time to be distracted in this hour right here no you ain't got time to be distracted that's distractions are from the enemy and it's trying to get you thrown off course uh, no no you don't have time to be distracted so understand 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 Keep your eyes on him. You got to keep your eyes on him so that you may remain in alignment with God. Right. So he encourages them. You remain humble. But not only do you remain humble, but remain unified. But as believers, there is strength in numbers. Remain unified and humble at the same time. And see, listen, listen, we have a problem when we as believers allow the enemy to enter in by means of division, right? Uh, uh, causing division within the body. Because well, it brings us out of unity with one another. But understand, there is strength in numbers. He can recognize the tactics and the tricks of the enemy, the schemes and how the enemy is trying to move and plot and come against us. Listen, we can stop the enemy from bringing the spirit of the vision where he's trying to break and separate us apart. He's trying to tear the sisterhood apart. He's trying to tear the brotherhood apart. He's trying to tear marriagehood apart. Listen, he's trying to come for those, the priesthood, to tear the priesthood apart. But we have to be watchmen looking ahead, anticipating the enemy is trying to come by the means of the vision to break up the hood oh he's trying to tear the hood apart but tell somebody remind somebody there is strength in numbers i'm not called to do it by myself but god has called me to work alongside my sister and work alongside my brother for the sake of this gospel for the sake of this gospel so encourages the the believers at philippi not only should you be humble but remain unified don't allow the enemy to come and bring division amongst you 
And he, he tells them how they're supposed to conduct themselves. You, you must conduct yourselves worthy of a gospel, even though you are going to be person. He tells them, you have seen it by way of my own life. Now, what you have seen, you also shall experience. The persecution that you see, the persecution that you read about concerning my life, you yourself shall experience it. But while you're experiencing persecution, you must conduct yourself worthy of a gospel. Remain humble. Remain devoted and remain committed to who and what God has called you to, to the charge that God has placed on your life. This is what Paul is declaring as he's writing the book of Philippians to the believers at Philippi. And so when you think about this, uh, my concentration here is on verses uh, number 12 and, and, and verse number 13, right? And, and one of the key concepts in verse number 12 is he talks about working out your own salvation, right? And, and if we link work out with work ethic, uh, there was a common thread to all of these values that we talked about was simply this right here, being responsible. It becomes your own personal responsibility uh, for your salvation. Yes, yes, yes. Jesus died on the cross that you might be saved, but you've got to work out your own salvation, not by the means of work per se. Uh, and we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Understand. So let me just jump in and say, work for my beloved as you have always obeyed. Uh, who wouldn't like a body of believers like this right here that always obey no matter what command or demand that is given to them they always obey now uh, don't have a mouthful of excuses just just obey hey, I bless God but church of Philadelphia because they have always obeyed yeah we're coming to that place where we have always obeyed uh, you ought to shout right there because if you ever struggle with rebellion hmm, I'm trying to encourage you right there if you ever struggle with disobedience I'm you right there, and I'm not talking about the large test, talking about the small, mediocre, menial test. Yeah, stop cutting your eye. That right there, God told you to stop cutting your eye years ago when you still struggle with cutting your eye. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. God told you to stop keeping secrets, and you still find yourself keeping secrets. Oh, so understand. We say, How will you respond? And essence, we are saying, What is your response going to be to the command or the demand that God gives you on today? How will you respond? How will you show that you're responsible for what God is declaring unto you, for what God is demanding or what God is commanding from you? See, we serve a God. He's not asking. This God, he shows you that I am king. A king simply commands or a king simply demands, and he is the king of kings. And Listen, he's not asking you to change. He's demanding that you change. He's not asking you to change. He's commanding that you change. He says, wherefore, my beloved, and even when you dive into this word, beloved, those, those that God looks upon with favor, uh, and, and simply put, he says, my favorites. Oh, see, see, I bless God that I'm his favorite. You got to understand, Paul is letting us know that you are God's favorite. You are the apple of his eye. He looks at you in a manner that he doesn't look at everybody. You're his favorite. And understand, this is what he feels about his favorite right here. Uh, what I appreciate about God, even though I'm his favorite, the times that I mess up, I'm still his favorite. You got to understand, uh, when I willfully mess it up, I'm still his favorite. I try to talk myself. 
I'm not God's favorite, but understand, I can't change God's mind about me. I'm still God's favorite. Even when I mess it up, when I go with the intention to mess it up. When I, when, I, when I mess it up real, real bad, and when I mess it up just a little bit, I'm still God's favorite. I can't change his mind about how he feels about me, and I bless his wonderful name, because many days I've tried to talk myself out of, I, I, after I did that right there, after I messed it up that bad, surely I cannot be his favorite. You, you understand, we go to saying things things like that. I'm his worst child, but I'm his. You, you understand? Because we're really trying to make sense of what I just messed up. Uh, you understand? In the eyes of God, surely, because I know how I'm going to respond, and I know how I'm going to react. If it was my child, if it was another child, and they messed up something that I placed in their hands, that, that I was counting on them to, to accomplish or handle that thing, and they messed it up, surely I'm going to be upset, right? Uh, but not to the fact that I'm going to disown them. Uh, and, 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 but now, I mean, if it act a little funny with him, yes, I will. But I appreciate God. He doesn't act funny with us. Neither does he disowns us. Uh, what he what he's want us to understand is you can't change my mind. And you're still my favorite. When you do it right and when you mess it, you're still my favorite. That's why I called you be love. Be right now. Be uh, denoting presence. And right now, you are my favorite. Right now, I love you. Even though some of us have messed up this morning, your morning has not even got started very well, but you done messed some stuff up but still God wants you to understand right now you're still my favorite he says, wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed. And again, I am encouraged because, <laughs> listen, I, 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 I didn't get to this point. It took some days of laying, consistently laying on the altar and crying before God and presenting my body as a living sacrifice. And God, I can't make it without you, God. I'm nothing without you, God. I need you. God, if you don't change this thing in me, God, this thing is about to ruin my life, God. God, if you don't deliver me, God, my soul is on the line. And see, that's how I've had to view this thing about my life. Things that I struggle with in my flesh, I really have to look at it from those regards. My soul is on the line, God. If you don't help me with this rebellion, God, it's going to cause me to lose my soul, God. If you don't help me with this pride, it's going to cause me to lose my soul. If you don't help me, God, huh, with this perversion, God, and this lust of the eyes, God, my soul is on the line. You have got to help me, God. When it comes to submitting myself to the authority that is above me, not just in heaven, but in this natural realm. God, you have got to help me because I'm not used to another person just telling me what to do it, and I'm supposed to do it right then and there, do it a special type of way. No, I do it when I want to do it, and, and I'll get to it when I get to it, and how I'm going to do it is how I'm going to do it, and don't you worry about it. As long as it get done, don't worry about how I do it, when I do it. No! Those were not the instructions were to do it like this and do it now. Understand? God, if you don't help me, to learn how to submit God, my, my, my inability to submit God, my inability to come subject God, it is going to damage me, cause me to lose my soul. You have got to help me, God. Understand, understand. I've always been the way I've always obeyed, but I thank God that I got a testimony now where the apostle says, listen, you can give him an instruction and what you tell him to do, that's exactly what he's going to do. Oftentimes he would boast and say, listen, if I tell Lincoln to stand right there and don't move, Lincoln to be in that same spot come next day. You understand? God has got to help me because you got to understand there are times where the enemy will try to mess with you. That even what I'm doing and what I'm doing isn't even worth what I'm doing, right? 
and how the enemy will try to fight you based upon what has been testified or reported about you. And many people don't even understand how bad the enemy comes to fight you in this area. When you have been, when people have testified about how your obedience have come up through the ranks and things of that nature. Right? Now, how bad the enemy fights you on bed, the small things. Now, uh, how bad the enemy fights you on obeying, not just in the public, but in the private. On how bad the enemy fights you when God tells you, because when God tells you, everybody's not always there to hear nor see what God is saying for you to do. So a lot of times you, you, now you can't get away with it with God, but you can get away with what God has told you in regards to most people because most people were not dead. They didn't hear what God spoke to you, nor did they see you write it down in your journal because you was trying to keep tabs as a reminder of what God told you. So you will forget what God told you to do. So understand a lot of times you can get away with that right there. It's those words that come when you're in the midst of other people and other people have heard the instruction or other people have heard the demand or command given by God. I'm talking about that command, the demand that has came in the midst of an audience when you ain't can't hide no more because everybody has heard what God said and when you forgot somebody else is reminding you of what God has said about your life you understand and see I used to hate that like like are you kidding me stop telling me about my life go 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 read your own journal and remind yourself what God said about your life what he said to do what you supposed to do you understand but it's in moments like that that you're learning how to come to a place of obedience where where you obey God even if no one else knows what God told you to do. The fact that God told you and you know that God told you it's there. It's been released in the atmosphere. God spoken and you know what God said. He doesn't need an audience. And the thing is, you have got to come to the conclusion. You don't need an audience to do what God has said do. And, and that's the thing. Notice when you have an honest, when most of us have an honest to obey becomes easier sometimes in an honest because we like being seen versus having to obey without the audience. But he said, wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, <laughs> always obeyed, you have always obeyed. And he says, not as in my presence only. And the truth we told most of us, see, it's easier to obey in the presence of people versus when I'm alone, uh, when I'm alone, because because to know that there are eyes on me, it gives you motivation to do this there because I don't want to look a certain way in front of people if I happen to not obey. Uh, in other words, I'm trying not to walk in shame. So if I don't want to be shamed, then guess what? I'm going to take all this energy and all my effort to accomplish what it is that I'm supposed to accomplish while all eyes are on me uh, yeah, to all my I hate is you 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 help inspire me to to do what God said you give me motivation you give me energy and effort to accomplish what God has said I'm supposed to do listen we're talking about the the family value of responsibility right and so it becomes the responsibility of the believer the individual believer right and responsibility again is defined simply as just the opportunity or ability to act independently, right? And make decisions without authorization, right? And we see here in scripture, he said, Well, for my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not 
as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. You say, look, look, but now much more in my absence, right? So when you talk about this word responsibility, you have the opportunity or the ability to act independently. Paul is not present. Paul is on lockdown. Apostle Leonard is not present. He's in Africa. You understand Lincoln is on the north side of Charlotte and COVID has made it virtually impossible for us to gather right now. So listen, you have got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, you have got to come to the place where I can do this without needing or having someone to always watch over me. You understand? Uh, God has given me the opportunity and the ability to act independently and make decisions without authorization. Now, I understand authorization is there, but it's not directly over me. Uh, I've been taught how to govern myself. I've been taught how to discipline myself. I've been taught when I don't know what to do, pray. I know what to do. I know how to govern myself. I know how to handle myself. Not just me, but even when it comes to being in a relationship with other people, I know how to handle myself in relationship with other people because this is what I've been trained to do for relationships and the kingdom. He says, definition number two, when you talk about responsibility, a form of trustworthiness, a form of trustworthiness, to be a responsible individual denotes that you are trustworthy. You are trustworthy. If there are no responsibilities put in your hand, then I'm suggesting to you many people don't believe that you are trustworthy, that you, you can be trusted to carry out the responsibility or you can be trusted to handle the responsibility that has been placed upon you. So, so even when we talk about responsibility, definition number three said it's the trait of being answerable to someone for something or being responsible for one's conduct of being answerable to someone. And most of us right there, you have a problem having to answer to somebody, you know, because you always trying to remind somebody I'm 20 plus one and I got my own this and my own that and I pay my own. Who cares what you got and who cares what you pay? You got to understand there are going to always be laws, rules in, in this world, right? God has designed it like that. And, and if there's going to always be laws and rules, there's going to always be somebody that is over you in some way, shape, form, or fashion. So well, I know you don't like it, but listen, you're going to have to come subject. He told us in the scripture, listen, that Jesus was given a name that is above every name. Every knee is going to have to bow. Denote it. You're going to have to come subject to the power and authority of this name. So at one juncture of your life, you're going to have to submit. You are going to have to come subject. He said, the trait of being answerable to someone for something. I got to answer to somebody for something that they placed in my hands. And so uh, even as leaders, right, uh, if, if there was somebody over you, you the employee, your employer, right, we, we hate the fact with our employer, or man, we hate the fact when our wife said, I want to talk to you, uh, 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 children, you hate the fact that your parents said, I need to talk to you, uh, because they're, they're showing a sense of, of authority right now. And understand that they're coming to check something out that they've given you. So this is when we hate or why we hate when leaders ask questions. But if we never ask questions, how do you think we're going to figure out or find out what is going on with you? Right. Because you're not of that mindset. Let me come and just divulge. Let me just come and communicate what is going on with me. No, you're of the mindset. I ain't going to tell nobody. And if I don't talk about it and if I don't put it in the atmosphere, then it ain't going to be real. 
real, it's not real, it's not gonna happen. Then the enemy not gonna nah, what a deception. No, 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 no. Uh, but this is why we hate the fact that leaders come to us and they ask us questions because questions reveal who I am, question reveals what I'm doing. It, it speaks to my intentions and it speaks to my motives. And these are the things that we don't necessarily always want on display. I don't want the intent of what I said or what I was going to be to be on display. No, it, 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 it searches out your intents and it searches out your motives. This is what questions do. So it begins to reveal who you are in that moment, what your intent was in that moment. And we hate that because there are a lot of times in moments, especially after moments where you've had an argument and you, you said some foul stuff in the argument and then you later come to apologize, but, but you didn't necessarily mean your apology. Questions reveal you really didn't mean the apology. You only said it because it was the right thing to do, but there was no true remorse behind it. There was no true repentance behind it. So he said the trait of being answerable to someone for something or being responsible for one's conduct. Here you go again, being responsible, but being responsible for your own conduct. And Paul is saying, listen, in my absence, now, now, now understand, you have developed a discipline of being able to obey in the presence of authority. And, and, and now what you were doing in the presence of authority, take it do that same thing in the absence of authority. In other words, you know what to do when authority is present or not. You know what to do. Do what you know to do. It is now time for you to take responsibility as an individual concerning your salvation. So he says, wherefore my beloved, my favorite, you have always obeyed, not just in my presence, but now much more. He said, now much more your obedience has got to be seen. It has got to be revealed in my absence. And he said, do this by working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So to work out your own salvation is not by the means of work per se. But when we talk about workout in the Greek, it is simply talking about to accomplish something. I must accomplish my salvation, work it till it's in, uh, up until the day that Christ comes and he parts this sky. I'm working my salvation out, right? I'm accomplishing the fact that ah, my end goal is to be in heaven when he come and parts this sky. Um, that's what I'm working towards, to, to be with my father in heaven. This is me working out my salvation, not uh, uh, how good I can be, not, not not, not did I did I pray five hours, not not did I worship every day, not did I fast and pray seven days out of, out of the 30 days of the month. No, I'm working out my salvation. So he says, you got to work out your own salvation with fear. He says, with fear, right? With reverence. Yeah, this thing is God. You got to honor your salvation, honor what Jesus has done for you, right? Now, let's let's pause for the cause, because even when we when we read this whole entire chapter, I was reading this whole entire chapter up into verse number 13 for the purpose of Paul shows us Christ, the mindset of Christ. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, right? Uh, and he's talking about all these different things that, that, that Christ uh, uh, began to do. How, how, how. He, 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 he counted robbery to count himself as equal with God, right? But, but, but he, he was wrapped up in human flesh, became like man, dwelt as a man, lived among men, right? Operated as a man. Counted robbery to be counted equal with God. So he humbled himself, right? He, he humbled him, 
himself. This is the mindset of God. He humbled himself. And, and the other aspect of this, uh, he had the interests of other people in mind rather than his own interests. And so that's one thing that Paul was hinting at as well. So listen, in you being uh, 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 walking in humility, but also be unified, but uh, uh, also have the interests of other people above your own interests. And we see this is what Christ did. Christ was so interested in, in, in fulfilling what the God, his father commanded of him that he was willing to be separated from the glory of his father. Come down into the earth realm, live like a man, be amongst men, and, and, and walk away from the status of being God for the moment. Now we understand he was still fully God, fully man. But I can't walk in that reputation of God while I'm here in the earth realm. You've got to see and know me as a man. So he had the interest of us, this dying world, the sinners, uh, on his heart while fulfilling what God called him to do. And he reverenced what God called him to do. Everything that God assigned to his hand, he did it. He was obedient. The Bible talks about even unto death. He was, uh, uh, he tells us, uh, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, as the scripture says. So there was a reverence in fulfilling the assignment that God placed in his hand. And then watch this for those of us. How, how many of you are tackling or handling your assignment that God has placed on your life with fear or reverence? Meaning you have the utmost respect for what God has assigned to you, what God has called you to do, who God has called you to be. Or do you just take it as something lightly? Anybody could be doing. No, anybody could not be the parent of Shekinah Majesty Ryan. Not just anybody could be the husband of Prophetess Lady. Anybody, not just anybody could be the, the wife of, 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 of Pastor Lincoln. Not just anybody could be my mother or my father, or they would say my spiritual leader. Not just anybody could do that. It has to be someone God has equipped who could handle me, understand me, know how to lead me and guide me and move me, correct me when it needs it. This is handling the assignment with fear or reverence. And then it says what? So work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Those words trembling, right? It's, 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 it's talking about right here. It says uh, complete distrust. Having complete distrust in one's ability of self. I abandon my trust in myself. I understand I, I'm not good enough to get it done. I'm not intelligent enough. I'm not smart enough. I need the assistance of God to help me with this. And see, most of us, we find ourselves lingering right here. You still trust you <laughs> uh, because you've lied to yourself and said, well, I'm not going to fail me. Uh, you failed yourself many a days. Uh, the fact that you set your, I'm, I'm going to give you a, a, a simple example. The fact that you set your alarm clock uh, and said, hey, I'm going to get up at this time right here. And you still don't blame the alarm clock because the alarm clock then set itself to that specific time. You set it, you bought it and you set that clock. So I'm trying to show 
You failed yourself. So if you still thinking that you can trust you, what a deception. No, what I found out, we told you your greatest enemy is you. The enemy, the enemy on the inside. You keep lying to yourself saying you're not going to let yourself down. You keep lying to yourself saying, I can trust me. I'm going to do what's right for me. You lying. You're not going to always do the right thing for yourself. Because if you was going to do the right thing for yourself, why are you struggling with doing the wrong thing? If he was going to always do the right thing. So, so he said, you got to work at your own salvation with fear, reverence, and trembling, abandoning trust in yourself. And he says what? He says, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Uh, it's, you got to know this. It's God that is working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, when, when you get to this word work is right, he says, because God is the one that's working in you. He's going to work in you to help you with your humility. He's going to work in you to help keep you unified. He's going to work in you to help put the interests of other people above your own interests. He's going to help you develop that mind of Christ. Well, you're willing to lay down your own interests and lay aside your own flesh for the sake of God being glorified. It is God that is going to be at work in you. So to work it from the Greek simply is defined to be at work. And notice that God is at work. And we said this before. God is working on me, but he's working in me at the same time. And, and, and I'm encouraged because he's working. He's at work in his favorite. Mm. I'm working as hard as I'm working because you're my favorite. I can't let my favorite now fail. I can't let my favorite one fail. Mm -mm -mm -mm. The glory must be seen. The glory must be revealed because this is my favorite that I'm talking about. I sent my son to die for my favorite one right there. I, I, I called my favorite one for this particular purpose right there and I cannot let her fail. I cannot let him fail. So I got to work in them. You know, While their flesh is working against them, notice uh, I am at work in them. And then he says, uh, 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 work if it's simply to, to, to displace one activity so uh, God's activity is going to be on display in you Denoni, there's going to be more love. Yeah, more love is good because we're talking about leading in love, leading in love, family values, these beliefs that we have according to our family, right? Leading in love. So his his nature, his activity of his nature and his character shall be on display in you. More love is going to be visible. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Instead of you always having a comeback. No, 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 no. You're just going to have a... I, Ready to hug. No, no, they said this right here. You ain't gonna have no sarcastic comeback, no sarcastic remark. Ready to hug, ready to forgive, ready to be repentant, ready to make up, ready to, to, to come. Enemy. When was the last time? Because used to be when y'all first got married, when you recognized the enemy, because you still recognize it's the devil. But when y'all first got married, you and your spouse would come together and say, No, the devil is alive. We're gonna come together, we're gonna back this devil up right now. The blood is against you, devil. You alive, Satan, the Lord God rebuke. Now we find ourselves doing it. We just going tip for tat. We keeping score, going back and forth. No, I won that argument. I'm right, you wrong. No, I'm right, you wrong. No, 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 no. The devil is the only one that is wrong. The devil is the only one that's out of order. The devil is the only one that has intruded into the atmosphere of God. The devil is the only one that has intruded into the covenant of God. We have got to push the devil back in his proper place. So come on. We need to see the activity of God on display in our lives. Us being 
compassionate, us being mindful, us being considerate, us being giving towards one another, loving towards one another, forgiving towards one another, helping one another. Yes. Then he says to work is mean is to be efficient. Right. And when you talk about being efficient, I like this right here, right here. Uh, being efficient is talking about what being effective. God is going to be effective without wasting time on the inside. <laughs> uh, one thing I love about God, God can never waste time. He can never waste time. I know you thinking it's taking God a long time, but listen, God can't waste time. God is efficient because he's the all sufficient one. He's going to be efficient with his work on the inside of you. And I know for some of you felt like, well, God, it's taking a long time for me to actually be delivered from this thing right here. Well, if you really had to go look at the scope of what it is that you have been bound by, for some of you, this, this, this thing is from generations ago. Some of us have been dealing with something from the Adamic years. Oh, yes, way back from Adam's years. That, that thing is living. That thing is around you. That thing is hovering, been chasing you. And understand the scope of what it is that God is having to free you from, the magnitude of the effect that this thing has had on your life. If you really went and dissected some of the things, how this thing is damaged your character, God is having to repair your character and all these different things that have been at work that the enemy has been slowly tearing down. But notice, for God to be at work, he's going to be efficient. He's going to be effective without wasting time. He's going to be effective without wasting effort. The efforts of God are going to be effective. Yeah, because understand, when you talk about our efforts, some of our efforts have been lackluster. It, it, it really wasn't about nothing. I just did something for the sake of saying I did something. Just in case somebody ever came and said, well, did you try? I can say, yes, I tried. But you really did try with no amount of effort. You just tried so that when someone came to question you on whether or not you tried, you would not be lying. You could say, yes, I tried. But you didn't try with no effort. And then this is what you got to understand for God to be at work, for God to work in you. He's going to be efficient. He's going to be effective with his effort in you. When God put forth the effort, listen, it is going to be effective. And not only that, God is going to be effective when it comes to the expense. And see, most of us, we always talk about, I don't know what it's going to cost me to do X, Y, and Z pertaining to the will of God. It's going to cost you something. Just like everything else costs you something. But listen, God is going to be effective. Effective in the expense of what it is that you feel you have to go through for God's will to be worked in you. God is going to make sure it's effective, though. Whatever you deem the cost to be, God is going to make sure it is effective. It will be worth it. See, some of you are not at that place in your life that whether you think something bad has happened to you, you're not at that place in your life where you can say, you know what? I thank God. Because see, most of us, you just, I thank God only for the good stuff. But you know you have come to a place of maturity when you say, I thank God for the good. But I also got to thank you, Jesus, for the bad. And I got to, I bless his name for the unlovely. And I got to hallelujah for the ugly that has happened in my life. You know you have arrived at a place of maturity when you can bless God for all things. This is what David said. And I will bless the Lord at all times. See, no matter where I am in my life, up or down, whether it's good or bad, beautiful or ugly, I still have a praise in my mouth. No matter what it costs me, God is going to be effective in what I believe it costs. So he says, listen, for it is God which worketh in you both to will. To will. And when you talk about the will, 
the will of God, right? And to do of his good pleasure, his will is saying, I'm going to work what I have determined. I'm so glad God God doesn't make mistakes when he thought it the first time. He doesn't have to go back and change his mind. No, what I thought the first time, what I said the first time, this is what I'm working at. Paul tells them in the same book, he said, he that has performed a good work, he's going to complete it. He which had performed a good work, he's going to complete it. So understand that thing that God first said, first thought about you. I'm determined to bring this thing to pass. Not, not only that, it is my purpose to bring this thing to pass, to make sure this thing happens. It has to happen because it's what I said. So he says, what is God which working for you both to will and to do of his good pleasure? Even when you begin to talk about, again, this, 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 this word do goes back to worketh, work out. God is going to accomplish or God is going to be at work in you. And it's for his good, it's for his good pleasure. It pleases God to bring about what he determined and purpose in your life as well as in my life. This is what pleases God. If we're in opposition towards this, then you have to know and understand it displeases God. Because it is it is hindering his will from being brought back or brought into a, a, a existence. So understand, he's doing this for his good pleasure. And my cry over the years of being saved is, God, my heart wants to please you. I want to please you. God, I want you to be pleased. The truth of the matter is I am who I am, but I want you to be pleased. You know, I think about one of the songs that we sing. They say, be pleased, O Lord, with my worship. And we say, obedience is the highest form of worship. I want you to be pleased with my obedience. As Paul is encouraging them, obey. Whether authority is there or not. Because you obey, this pleases God. And that is my heart's cry. God, I want you to be pleased. I want you to be pleased with my worship. Be pleased with my obedience. Be pleased with my submission. Be pleased with my repentance. Be pleased with my giving. Be pleased with my loving. Be pleased with my leading in love. Be pleased with the values that I'm trying to instill in my family as they are rooted and grounded in your word. I, that is my heart's cry. God, I just want you to be pleased. I want you to be pleased with me, God. And what I do for you, I want you to be pleased. So Paul is speaking to the individually while speaking to them collectively. And he wants them to understand it. it has become your now your responsibility to work at your salvation. Until he comes, you got to work because the end goal is to spend eternity with him. It is your responsibility. And when you talk about responsibility, it is simply a response to something. 
So it, how will you respond when God is telling you to humble yourself? What will your response be? It becomes your responsibility to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. What will your response be when God tells you to obey? He's not asking, he's, he's commanding, he's demanding that you obey. What will your response be? It is the responsibility of you, the individual. What will your response be when he says to worship? What will your response be when he tells you in the wee hours of the morning, come on, there is somebody across the world. They need you to get up and intercede for them right now. When he is, 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 is calling you out of your sleep, interrupting your sleep, what will your response be? Because to interrupt your sleep, this is good for him. It pleases him. Because you have just put the interest of a soul that is in trouble over your interest, that of sleeping. It pleases him. What will your response be? So simply put, we ask you again, how will you respond? When God comes, how will you respond? When God commands or demands, how will you respond? So we just encourage you in Jesus' name. Let your heart be where it wants to please God in all things. Let your response be, here am I. Here am I, God. Use me, God. I will go, God. I will speak, God. In other words, I'm available. How will you respond? Amen.